Good afternoon, Brett McGarry, <laughs> Greg Mackling. Yeah, you tell some of your funniest jokes off the air. You need to bring those to the air once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I. well, that last one would probably... You know what? Let's just move on. Get you in trouble. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Uh, looking like a nice day. I, I just realized you're in the home stretch here. Maybe. You're, you're on the verge of a, a few days off. Correct. Is it two straight weeks? No, it's just one. Okay. I took a week in June, a week in July, and a week in August. You're brilliant. So Way to spread those out. Yeah. it's uh, hope, what, Hopefully the weather holds up uh, this well, let's just have a peek at that. Okay, while you're you, getting you ready that. for the show, I'm just going to look at the weather for next week for well, when I'm on vacation. While you're not here? Yep. Yeah, that's not selfish in any Setting way, Setting my priorities, yeah. I like the way you're thinking. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Wonder Woman, some of the interesting backlash from this movie. It's got me baffled how people can uh, take something that's positive and turn it into a negative, but it happens. It's uh, overly possible, and people are over, overly sensitive about things that they really don't need to be sensitive about. We're visiting with our friends from the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. Griffin Jenkins is bringing his friend Rowena with us. And, and, and Griffin, fascinating guy. Looking forward to spending some time with him later on this afternoon. Something called, let's not just talk, let's d- let it out and do something about it as it pertains to mental wellness. And as you mentioned in our visit with Jeff Courier, We're going to visit with a local Nitro Circus participant this Friday night at uh, IGF Outdoors. That should be really cool. IGF's going to be a busy place this week because there's also the uh, Costa Rica, Canada soccer match. What day is that? I believe that is Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're probably right. And, and then the Blue Bombers, uh, their first home action is on the 15th. The Bombers in action against Saskatchewan Saturday night, their first preseason game. And the only place you'll be able to get it is right here on 680 CGOB with the voice of the Bombers. Our coverage gets underway at 6 p.m. on Saturday. And the footy match is indeed on Thursday. Okay, good. I'm glad I remembered that correctly. Off the top of your head, that's not bad. Have you ever received an inheritance, Brett McGarry? Uh very small, yes. Uh, nothing substantial. I was surprised to get it. It was from like a family uh, friend, essentially. So it was, uh, yeah. But yes, to answer your question, yes. I find it, this is a conversation that can divide families, right? Mm-hmm. This whole idea of sorting out a will, sorting out a, a family legacy, an individual who's bequeathed or left behind uh, money and or property, and it's not always done equitably, right? There's no magic, necessarily, no magic figure, no magic way to split the pie, unless you just want to cut it a certain number of ways, depending on the generations involved. But there are a lot of people, according to a survey in an article that I unearthed this morning, that are in fact counting on an inheritance as part of their own personal financial planning for their retirement. Yeah. it's uh, This is a report on globalnews.ca. Almost half of Canadian investors expect to receive an inheritance, and many are counting on that money to help them in retirement. That's according to a recent survey by global financial advisory firm Natixis. Natixis? Natixis? I don't know how to say that. 
I'm one of them's with, correct. I'm going to go with Natixis, Global Asset Management. The firm quizzed 300 Canadians with around $135,000 in investable assets in February as part of a global poll. 45% of Canadian respondents said they expect to receive an inheritance, and 77% said family financial resources would be a chief source of retirement funding. 77%? That's a big, that's a big number. It is. The poll also found that 30% of Canadians are worried they are not saving enough for life after work, and nearly a third believe government benefits will not be around when they retire. Ooh, that's And that's something I never even thought of, but that's probably something to worry about. Also, Canadians are saving an average of only 9% of their annual income for retirement. According to this study, the global average, by comparison, is over 12%. So couple of questions come out of this article and the findings within the study highlighted in the article. Are you planning to leave an inheritance? Is this part of your legacy that you intend to leave? Is this something that is important to you, that you leave something behind when you go on to the, to the next stage of your existence or depending on how you believe, uh, just go into the ground? We joke in my family, I was just going for a long dirt nap, but, you know, whatever you want to say, however you, however and whatever you believe is all good here on Mackling and McGarry. Is that important to you to leave a legacy and are you expecting an inheritance? And maybe another caveat is if you experienced a situation where an inheritance has caused a huge family rift and does the ph- philosophy about whether or not someone, your parents or your grandparents, should be leaving you money. Does that come up in topics of conversation for you? Because I think it's one that comes up. It, it does with my friends. They, My uh, buddies have had a number of rum-soaked, angry debates about this very topic. I tend to stay out of it, mostly because I don't have kids, so it's not something I've thought about for myself. What, what am I going to do for my spawn because they are not there but i think that if i had kids i probably would at the very least try to have something left for them but and where my friends are starkly divided there's either yes it is your duty or no who cares my money they they gotta learn to fend for themselves my job to get them ready to live in this world and part of that is they need to take care of themselves okay so i don't know it is something that uh, I'm sure that would probably destroy certain family relationships, right? Well, I always ask, you know, you've gotten to exactly where you want to get in life all on your own. No one helped you out along the way. Your parents housed, clothed, fed you for how many years? So they get a little bit of credit no matter what you do, I suspect. And of course, these are broad stroke conversations or exceptions to every quote unquote rule. Lots of people have their parents pay for their post-secondary education. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just stay at home, and that's the contribution that their parents give. Some people stay at home, and their parents pay. But there is a certain generation, I think it's a generational thing, where there is this attitude that I've done enough for you, kid, and we're spending it all. Don't expect anything. When you say generational, do you mean that previous generations may have thought about it differently than... Yeah, I believe I believe that previous generations, it was very important 
that they leave something behind for the next generation. And I think that's becoming less and less important. As our society as a whole becomes more affluent, I could see where that attitude would be prevalent. But I'm also doing research on the financial health of certain uh, parts of our population. And right now, the most susceptible part of the population in terms of going bankrupt are people 60 and over Mm -hmm. because they've spent so much money and they haven't planned for retirement and it all catches up to them. So is there going to be anything left to leave as part of this conversation as well, based on the fact that Canada, uh, I think after Greece, has the highest debt to uh, disposable income spending, uh, like in the free world, in the developed world, I think it's 170% uh, debt versus disposable income in Canada. And I believe it's second only to Greece. Oh, wow. That's scary. And you're right, especially with life expectancy continually going up. How long is retirement going to last for a lot of people? You could, let's say you retire at 65. You know, I think in previous generations, maybe the life expectancy would have been, I don't know, 10, 15 years, but now people are living way beyond that. That's a lot, a lot of years you got to save up money for. I can tell you right now that, and it is, I've, there, there was that stat where, uh, a lot of people are worried they're not saving enough for life after work. I am in that 30%. I know I am not. And that's partially because if I, I don't know, I, I, it's sort of the debate. Well, I could save for retirement, but then I wouldn't really have anything to enjoy life right now. But if I don't save for retirement, <laughs> there may be nothing left when it comes time for retirement. And I think that highlights the changing values within society. Because back in the day, there was no such thing as buy now, pay later. Mm -hmm. If you wanted a new TV or refrigerator back in the 30s and 40s, you had to save for it. And you had to buy it. Now, if you want a new car, you can spread those payments out over 84 months. I've even seen 96 months as an option. And in this cheap money cycle that we're in right now, it's pretty tempting to go out and buy a bigger house than you can quote unquote afford. Which I did. A lot of people have done it. There are a lot of people buying vehicles and furniture and all sorts of things. And hey, that's great for the economy now, but is it sustainable? And long term, is it changing the values? And is it going to be taking money out of that cycle of the way things used to be when there was a little bit passed down? You know, when your parents die, is there a chance that they're going to still have a mortgage on their house? A mortgage burning was a big deal, a big step in people's lives back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I don't know. People are mortgaging themselves to the max, and a 30-year mortgage, super common now. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. We're getting some text messages, and we will have a look at those momentarily, but we would love to hear your voice. 204-780-6868. Are you, if your parents are still with you, are you counting on an inheritance for retirement? Or perhaps you have kids, and you have some thoughts to offer on whether or not you plan to leap 
leave an inheritance or hope to leave an inheritance. Would love to hear your voice and your thoughts on this. 204-780-6868. Would also like to know if this subject has led to any precarious situations within your family. If maybe it's created a rift, I don't know. Maybe your kids are saying, hey, you got to you gotta leave us an inheritance. And you said, <laughs> tough luck. 204-780-6868. You can email gmac at cjob.com. That's G-M-A-C-K. You can email brett at cjob.com. B-R-E-T-T. And again, the number 204-780-6868. Your forecast is coming up next. It's Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. And we are talking about whether or not you are expecting an inheritance, counting on an inheritance for retirement. Nearly half of Canadians count on inheritance for retirement. That is the key finding from a recent survey from global financial advisory firm Natixis Global Asset Management. And we're wondering what your thoughts are on this matter. And we will start with Marty. Marty joins us on 680 CJOB. And Marty, what do you think about this? Well, um, I never expected anything from my parents way back. And I figure if I have anything left over, fine, they'll get something. And if not, that's fine, too, because my husband and I, my late husband and I, we uh, worked for every penny we had, and I don't believe in handing it to somebody on a silver platter. Thank you. All right, Marty, thank you very much. We appreciate the call at 204-780-6868. Jim is up next. Hey, Jim, what's your thought on this? Well, the the question first off is: uh, Is there a death tax? Are you asking us? Well, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. At, the question is: Is there a death tax? If I pass away, is, do the, does the government tax everything I own that that I want to give to my grandchildren? There's a threshold for that. And, and there are different ways to plan for that. People with money typically plan for those sorts of things. Uh, well, let, let's pretend there there isn't. Uh, how does that change your uh, view on this, Jim? Well, I've, I've already made out the will. And all my uh, grandchildren get a piece of cash. And is it split evenly based evenly. on the number of grandchildren, regardless of the type of relationship you have with each grandchild? Evenly. Evenly. Well, you, you are. And was that a priority for you, Jim? Was that something, yeah. you know, all through your life you thought, I want to be able to leave this behind when, when, when I go on to the next phase of existence or non-existence? Well, I started my life on my own. So no one gave me anything, so leave something behind. Well, that's very kind of you, Jim. You're All a right. good man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the call at 204-780-6868. Here's a text I want to respond to uh, from somebody uh, who has not left your name, but here's the text. Just makes me laugh how many people live paycheck to paycheck. Enjoy working for the rest of your life. I, for one, will retire at 60. First of all, good for you. You've clearly done a better job at planning, maybe made a better job of uh, making good decisions. I don't know. I, I certainly can't speak for the entire paycheck-to-paycheck population. Uh, I am trying to dig myself out of that hole, and I, it is a hole which was dug by a series of bad decisions probably from the time I started smoking when I was 19. Um, that 
essentially led to just, oh, actually, you know what? It started with <laughs> when I signed up for a MasterCard at the University of Manitoba, where they, when they come out in the first month, where I'll get all the kids who have just turned 18 years old. They don't even ask your name. They just check your heartbeat. Yeah, you've got one. Perfect. <laughs> Here's a credit card. Go make all sorts of bad decisions. And that's what I did. And I have spent many years trying to dig myself out of that. So just because you're living paycheck to paycheck doesn't mean, you know, you're an idiot. It just means maybe uh, circumstances didn't go your way. So I will not be retiring at 60, whoever you are, but hopefully I'll join you one day. Well, we are the, with how long we're living now, there will be some people that end up retired longer than they worked. Yeah, you're right. You know, and now we've never been at that point in time in our society before. A lot of guys get retire and then they just get bored and get another job anyway. Oh, that happens a ton. Have we got time to read Dan's text message here? I think this is something uh, many people in Winnipeg are experiencing. Well, you know what, or do you want to wait? Well, let's go to Dawn oh. so we don't want to keep Dawn through the news. Let's, uh, let's not keep Dawn through the news. Let's bring her on the air then. Hey, Dawn, uh, what do you have to say? Uh, regarding the gentleman that was just on with regards to taxing um, inheritances? Yes. There isn't any in Canada. Can you Thank elaborate? You. I, I well, We just got one. My dad just passed uh, last year. We just got our inheritance. Four of us kids got them all done equally. My younger sister lives in Mississippi. She's in the States. Yes, she has to pay the tax if she takes her money to the state. Canada does not have tax so that's on cash and, and and things are different depending on how you uh you give that out whether you have a cottage or or different assets uh can be taxable but don that's right 100 uh, percent. there's no uh no tax but i think there's a threshold yeah, but, i'm gonna yeah, have to dig into that on, yeah he didn't elaborate on that he was uh, no i, I understand talking cash yeah but no like i said my sister had to open an account here because she wasn't going to get taxed but they have claimed on her tax there even though it's here all right, Don, I think we're losing you. But listen, thank you for the call. And I see we have Carol on the line. Gary is on the line. We're going to continue this conversation after Global News at 1.30. I'll just quickly say a quick Google inheritance tax Canada yields one result that says in Canada there is no inheritance tax. Instead, Canada Revenue Agency treats the estate as a sale unless the estate is inherited by the surviving spouse or common law partner. Where certain exceptions are possible, that means the estate pays the taxes owed to the government rather than the beneficiaries paying. That's just uh, the quick Google search. I'm sure there's a lot more to dive into there. But we do need to pause. Global News, 204-780-6868. Carol, Gary, and Alan, sit tight. Mackling and McGarry will continue in five minutes. I just got a text message from my buddy Ralph. He wanted to make sure that everybody understands that the first Blue Bomber game is Saturday night in Regina against Saskatchewan, 6 o'clock kickoff. Okay. Or 6 o'clock, our coverage begins here on 680 CJOB. And then Thursday night, the 15th, the Blue Bombers host the Edmonton Eskimos in their only home exhibition slash preseason game. I, I thought I said that, but I wanted to make sure, because if Ralph heard it wrong, that means somebody else could have heard it wrong as well. So we don't want to be spreading misinformation. Well, I, I seem to remember you saying the 15th. Yes. Regarding a bomber. 15th next Thursday is their only home game. Yeah, that's what you referred to. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, I know I always count on you to have my back and to give me <laughs> the straight goods. We're talking about inheritance right now. Are you planning to leave one? Are you planning to not leave one? We've got a pretty funny text message on that second 
uh, caveat? Or are you expecting one or should you not be expecting one? Several ways that we're approaching this conversation in light of the article at globalnews.ca. The headline is nearly half of Canadians count on inheritance for retirement. Will they actually get any money? Lots of questions, lots of answers, great volumes of things to talk about in this conversation. We've got jammed phone lines, Brett. Carol, Gary, and Alan have all been waiting patiently. We thank you for your patience, and we're going to start with Carol, who is at the front of the line. Hi, Carol. What are your thoughts on this matter? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you. My parents made it clear when uh, I was in high school to both my brother and I that there probably wouldn't be an inheritance left. They were going to enjoy it while they were around and spend it as they needed to. They told you that when you were in high school, you said? Yes. So yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on that now that uh, it sounds like it's it's been one or two years since you graduated from high school? <laughs> yeah, I'm 51 now. So I, I'm fine with that completely. Everybody who saves their money should be able to enjoy it in whatever way they want. And who knows how long you're going to live. There's got to be something around. My parents retired pretty early. And my dad is realizing now, and he is 72 he is finding out that he needs more money now than what he thought he was going to need when he did retire. Oh, boy. He's been worried. So what is, what is he going to have to do then to deal with that? Well, he's just, he's just penny-pinching, you know, like a, a lot of seniors and, and a lot of people in this world nowadays have to do. You just have to watch your pennies and be careful how you spend your money and don't go buying new cars like you say and houses etc well you know it's interesting because people are retiring earlier can you remember that phenomenon that marketing campaign freedom 55 like can can you imagine that being a reality and for anybody living freedom 55 uh can we be friends because i that idea of being retired at 55 is absolutely uh something that has my uh it baffles me because i don't know what you would do for the rest of your life but besides that that they don't market freedom 55 anymore right you just don't see it and so that idea of working well into your 60s and maybe your early 70s i think is becoming more and more common that's my plan now yeah i um, i i actually had a conversation with my financial manager i am divorced and was living in my home still and he said carol if you don't sell your house you will never ever retire if you don't sell your house yes so there was not enough money in my bank account to be able to survive moving forward if i was to retire at 67 so i had to make a choice so what did you do? Did you sell your house and buy a smaller home or did you start renting? What, what choice I did you make? My, I sold my house and I'm renting just because I didn't want the responsibilities that go along with maintenance, et cetera. But I'm not quite sure what my future holds. We'll have to see. You know, I'm a person that uh, never, never went to school, post-secondary school, and I actually just got laid off. So now my concern is I have to be saving a lot of money in order to retire in the future. That's something that you definitely got to consider. Everybody out there should. I'm one of those people you mentioned that said, I'm scared that CPP and OAS is not going to be there when I retire. And that's Mm -hmm. only in 16, 17 years. Or maybe not, right? The reality may be maybe not. 
Exactly. And that's why I pushed my children to make sure that they had good education and good jobs to go to. Carol, thank you so much for the call. We appreciate it. And we'll try Gary next. Hey, Gary, what do you think? Oh, uh, some of your previous callers have brought up some interesting points. Uh, 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 Before the news, one of the callers asked if there's a death tax. There is. It's called probate. In Manitoba, when a person dies, all your estate has to go through probate. Gary, you know what? I uh, I hate to be rude, but uh, <laughs> you know what? Hang on, let's bring Gary back. Gary, not not to 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 put a, a discount on on the, the your knowledge of the tax, but we don't really want to get too much into no, taxes wanna, and whatnot. I we want to know what your thoughts point. are instead on inheritance in particular. Or do you? I'm leading to that. So. If, uh, say, for that man who wants to live, leave ch- his children some money in the will, my, gra- my father died three years ago. He had six grandchildren. But instead of leaving it through the, in the will, he, before he died, he wrote a check to all six of them and saying, here, here's your inheritance. That's a way of getting around probate. Uh, secondly, your caller, Carol, brought up an interesting point about she had to sell her house, you know, otherwise she wouldn't be able to retire. Mm-hmm. A lot of seniors are in that position because, unfortunately, it's a fact of life that 80% of people who are married get divorced. So after going through that, they become house poor. They have assets in their house, but they have there's no extras, you know, what I'm getting at. No, understood, Gary. And listen, we thank you for that. And uh, for that's a, an interesting suggestion uh, regarding what you said about getting around the probate tax. So we appreciate that. And then Alan has been waiting for 13 minutes. Alan, you're a patient man. We thank you for it. What can we do for you, sir, today? Well, thank, well, thank you. No, I agree. If you can get an inheritance from your parents, uh, my wife and I both did, and uh, greatly appreciate it. And, and great. However, if you uh, expect to retire, on uh, inheritance, well, good luck with that because uh, a lot of a lot of parents don't have any money to leave, and if that's what you're counting on, I think you're in for a rude awakening. Good luck. I think there's a lot of rude awakenings on the horizon, Alan, and and that may be right near the top of the list. Yeah, and the other thing that I'd like to point out is, you know, you were saying that uh, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, well, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck. It's because you really don't want to get out of it that badly. Most people, I, Alan, up. Alan, I'm going to stop you right there. That is a bunch of garbage. You, you're you're going to sit there and tell me I don't want to get out of living paycheck to paycheck? You have no well, idea what I'm going through in my life. How dare you say that to me, uh, Alan? No, I think I think if you want to get out of it that badly, you could. I have been working on it for, as I said, I have been working on it for years. So you can't, I have never met you, Alan. You haven't met me. You have no idea about the choices that I make every day in life. And I am working on it. Trust me, Alan. I am working on it as hard as I can. So you yeah, can't well, tell you me that I don't want to get out of it. I'm working on you it. Believe, if you believe what you just said about that study, that 50% of the people are in that position, that's because 50% of these people are, not, are just spending too much. That's all that is. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're spending too much. 
Uh, well, you clearly you're 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 now just picking and choosing the information that you want to hear out of that because I told you that my I told you that I live my my living paycheck to paycheck situation is made has come from a number of bad decisions that I have been working on for the last few years to rectify. I am digging myself out of that hole, but you can't sit there and just blank give me a blanket statement to anybody living paycheck to paycheck. You have no idea what they're going through. Just well, like I don't know what you're going through. If you're digging yourself out of it, you're doing something about it. But how about that 50% we're talking about that that you said 50% of these people are living paycheck to paycheck? Well, these people are 60 years old plus. That's because they weren't trying to get out of it. Are you 60 years old? I'm not 60 years old. But, well, Alan, it, it's easy to yeah. say. You know what, though, Alan? It's easy to say that. Well, you're not trying hard enough. You have no idea what people are going through, Alan. You can't yes, just I say do. that. Uh, I do. I do. Okay, Alan, you know everything. So, hey, um, thank you for the call. I do appreciate uh, okay. it. Thank you for the call. Thank you for listening. And again, Alan, thank you for your patience. You waited a long time to make your points at 204-780-6868. We're getting a lot of text messages. And, Greg, uh, there was a text from Dan that you wanted to read. He made a really interesting and, and kind of a kind of a sad point. Well, you know what? I, I think he might be going through despite what uh, Alan might think, something a lot of people are going through, not necessarily because they want to. It's a fact of life, and this is their situation. I'm a 33-year-old renter. I'm supporting my three children and a stay-at-home wife. At this point, saving for a down payment on a house is a pipe dream. My father, on the other hand, had a government job since his early 20s and retired at 55. He spends half the year golfing in Florida and has one of the best pensions I have ever heard of. He sees me struggling in the cycle of renting, not saving, and could easily help me get into the housing market. However, he is stuck in this mindset of passing on an inheritance after he dies. I figured he would want to see his children and grandchildren flourish while he was still alive and able to enjoy it. Shamefully, I feel as though the only help I will ever get from my father is in his death. Man, that's tough. Uh, but thank you so much for that honesty, Dan. We really do appreciate it. Uh, want to follow that, which is a very serious text. <laughs> this is from Mick. Uh, and one of the comments I made earlier is one of the reasons why I lived paycheck to paycheck for so long is because I smoked and smoking is an expensive habit and I have managed to kick that habit. And as a result, I feel better and I am saving money. When I say that, by the way, I am not judging you if you smoke. If you smoke, you know you shouldn't, but hey, when you're ready to make the, to make your take your shot at quitting, you'll make it. Mick says, hey, don't diss smokes, Brett. My buddy Ray has been going through two packs a day for 35 years. He deems them as an insurance policy against old age. <laughs> no need for a Freedom 55 in his world. Hope it works out for him. <laughs> LOL. His buddy Ray, his retirement plan is death. 145 on 680 CJOB. Lots of text messages to go through. And if you want to weigh in on the phone, 204-780-6868. Nearly half of Canadians count on inheritance for retirement. Are you one of those Canadians? Your forecast is up next. 150 on this Tuesday afternoon. Alan is uh, getting hammered on the text <laughs> messages here right now. Alan, we appreciate your call. We appreciate your honesty. Uh, it is fodder for many of our text messages, including the first one. Brett, you want to read from Amanda? And this uh, came from a conversation inspired by an article Greg found on globalnews.ca. Nearly half of Canadians counting on inheritance for 
retirement and the subject of living paycheck to paycheck popped up. And Alan said that if you are living paycheck to paycheck, which I and I, I have long said I essentially live paycheck to paycheck, but I am slowly digging myself out of that. And I think actually I could probably say definitively I no longer live paycheck to paycheck, but just barely, just barely. But it's been something I've lived with for essentially my whole my whole life as an adult. Uh, and Alan said, if you live paycheck to paycheck, you just you're just not trying hard enough. To which I took great exception. Amanda says at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, it's people like you. Alan, who just like to spout off without the facts, who have no real value of another's situation. My grandmother gave her all to her family and friends and is barely making ends meet, and not because of poor life choices, but because of amazing life choices to care for everyone around her. Amanda, thank you so much for that. And Amanda says, as a, as a side note, she says, by the way, your smoking journey inspired me. Oh, good. Well, if, I, if that helped you, Amanda, that's tremendous news. Thank you for sharing that. That is outstanding. By the way, the divorce rate in Canada is not 80%. It's about 38% oh my. Uh, when they last uh, measured it. Out of four siblings, I'm the one that is unmarried and long and on long-term disability. Should all siblings be left equal amounts... When the needs are not close to being equal. That's another topic of conversation when we discuss the idea of splitting an estate or leaving an inheritance. That's why I asked that uh, grandfather who said that he was leaving equal parts. Oh, yeah. If you have a relationship with someone, you know, maybe you're closer geographically. Do you leave a little bit extra for someone that spent more time, took more interest in you? Interesting question. That is an interesting question. Another text here about Alan says, that Alan is self-righteous. Lots of people live paycheck to paycheck. We did and now have a tight retirement, but life goes on. He has no right to judge us. Shane said, and I can't confirm this, uh, but I will uh, I will share this. 34% of Canadians polled say a lottery win is retirement plan as their income. And uh, that number actually does ring somewhat familiar. Uh, we will do a Google search on that one. Leaving an inheritance for your uh, offspring is wise, the Bible says so. But expecting it is presumption that is a sin. That's interesting uh, take on it. Absolutely. Alan, another text here. Alan just insulted so many people who live paycheck to paycheck. I would love to know what he does for a living. I'd also love to know if he thinks like this for all the young people like myself, I'm 27, who are struggling to even just live on our own. Thank you for that. And here's another one that was, uh, it's kind of a funny one. Ultimately, Brett, you blew money that you didn't yet earn. (laughs) However, I don't view you as a slacker or loser. Stuff happens, especially when, and I say that I'm reading this text and I'm going to quickly discuss it, but stuff happens, especially when a woman is involved in spending your money. (laughs) I will say that part of the hole I am in is because I was with the woman, we bought a house, that came to a crashing halt, but I don't blame her as far as finances go she didn't spend my money we 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 equally spent money with reckless abandon and now i'm certainly digging out of it i don't know what her situation is doesn't matter but uh yeah so that's why i've spent the last few years trying to dig out so to speak
There are lots of people with lots of different situations in life, circumstances uh, change. Sometimes those circumstances are far beyond our control. And so it dictates that you make different decisions along the way. And, you know, we forget that a majority of people are, and this survey I know exists, a large number of people, I won't say a majority, a large number of people are two paychecks away from bankruptcy, from insolvency. Yeah. And that is a fact. And it's part of our societal values have changed over the last several decades where planning for your future seemed to be a priority. Mm -hmm. Now it is much more, I think, not for everyone, but for a large number of us, it's keeping up with the Joneses, as someone referenced in a text message. It's having the bigger house, having the bigger car, living for today. A lot of people have that attitude, man. I'm living for today. Damn what comes. Yeah, and I would say that I think I sort of fell into that trap. I wanted to have the house and a decent car and and try to, because it, it I felt like I, I wasn't measuring up to my peers. But now that I am back in an apartment, a modest apartment, and have come, come to learn, you know what, I don't need fancy things I, as long as I have my golf clubs and I have access to the occasional beer or a glass of rum with my friends. That's what matters. And I really, I know that I need to put more towards retirement. So once I can get myself right financially and that I can live day to day, check to check without worrying, then I can start putting more away and try to be responsible. Life is expensive. To yeah. buy a first house, a starter house, an average house in Winnipeg right now is over $250,000. My mom and dad's first house cost $19,900. Can you imagine? In 1978. Uh, and even then, that's probably not good. I wonder, I wonder what the actual, like if you were to take 19000 then and put it towards what it is now, what the difference would be ultimately in terms of the cost. There's a way to calculate that. That's part of my homework for tonight. Okay. In the meantime, Global News is coming up next, and then we're going to violently switch gears and get a little extreme with the boys from Nitro Circus. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling, and we have been excited for this. We're going to talk about something called Nitro Circus. In case you're not familiar with what that is, Listen to this. Travis Pastrana's Nitro Circus Live! Direct from sellout shows across the globe, the world's greatest action sports show returns to Winnipeg with a mind-blowing new show! Featuring 30 of the world's best extreme athletes in freestyle, motocross, and BMX! Plus a host of ridiculous contraptions launched from the 40-foot-high Nitro Giganta Ramp! Don't miss the most insane action sports show of all time! Coming to Investors Group Field on Friday, June 9th. Tickets on sale now at NitroCircus.Live. And in studio with us, we have a Nitro Circus Live athlete. His name is Josh Penner, and he's actually from Manitoba. He grew up just outside. You know what? We'll let Josh tell us. Where did you grow up? Grew up in the Tellier, Manitoba. Really? Yep. When did you uh, leave to become a Nitro Circus athlete? Uh, this will be my first show, so I'm... It's not like I'm on tour or anything. I just got invited to this one show. I'm close by. Neat. You uh, farm with your dad and your uncles and your uh, cousin. 5,800 acres. That's a, that's a fair size farm, Josh. Yeah. Yep. 
It's, that must keep, keep you busy? Keeps us really busy, especially in the summer. How do you find time to uh, do this and to uh, find time to take care of your machines? Not only the agricultural machines, but your motorcycles that allow you to do what you like uh, on the side. We all uh, have our hobbies and such, and so we have a big enough uh, group. We work together on giving each other time off and doing what we need to do and make it happen. So what kind of a Nitro Circus live athlete are you? What is your specialty? What are you going to be performing, I guess, is the question. Uh, whips, flips, upside-down tricks. Are you on a motored bike or uh, just a standard pedal? Dirt bike, yeah. No, I drive snowmobile, too, in the winter, but no, I'll be on the dirt bike this coming weekend. Now, I know you and Mike uh, put your collective uh, efforts together to build a little bit of a track on the on the farm there. Talk about the track that you have at home. Yeah, it's on a five-acre yard. I got all my freestyle ramps and jumps, and and Mike helped me build 90% of it. Without him, I don't, it would have been real hard. So, How long did that take to build? Um, it, it progresses throughout the years. And it progresses as I progress, too. Some sort of ramps I need to do certain things, and... I need to make a special landing for something, then I got to build it and go get the farm tractor and haul it over and start building stuff. Well, how long ago did you start doing that? Uh, well, I raced motocross my whole life. And then about three years ago, then I just decided uh, we'll stop racing, going to just ride for fun. And my buddy convinced me to build a ramp. So about three years ago, started doing the freestyle thing. I always wonder. What is it inside of you that goes, yeah, today's the day I'm going to flip my motorcycle upside down and uh, land it per- perfectly. <laughs> Walk us through that day or that time that you first decided to to flip your machine on uh, purpose. First ones never land perfectly. So I did crash. Uh, my buddy actually did one uh, mini flip, we call it, just a mini flip. And then I was like, well, if he did it, then I'll, I, I could do that. He comes over and he's just teaching me and stuff. He crashed too a bunch of times, and then and I give a shot. I crash land upside down, break a bunch of stuff. So, like, okay, well my bike's all broken, and I just gotta keep trying this thing until I get it. And, and then it was a mini one, so it wasn't the full scale seventy five foot flip then. So I was thinking, oh, well, if I can do the little one, I'm sure I can do a big one. So then I went to a foam pit and uh, out in Michigan, Scott Murray's place, and he taught me how to flip properly, how to control your flip. And bring it to wheels. Even if you make a mistake, you can still bring it around, like stuff like that. Do okay. that. You do that in a foam pit, so that way you can still walk the next day. So you made an investment to go out and seek some professional coaching on this. Yes, yes, for sure. Wow, yeah. is that a standard thing where people like yourself go to learn in a in a foam pit? Usually nowadays, things are getting so gnarly that the foam pits are pretty high demand. Yeah, because you mentioned you, the, the first time you tried it that you broke a bunch of stuff. Exactly. Was any of that stuff uh, part of your body, like your legs, <laughs> no, for example? Not me, no. Just the dirt bike. Have you ever hurt yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. What kind of injuries? Like uh, ACL reconstruction, shoulders, re- surgeries, and concussions, and... You know, compressed vertebrae and stuff. Yeah, it all sounds very yeah. much, very worth it. <laughs> you, you're saying it like you're just kind of reading a grocery list. Like, well, you know, I kind of compressed vertebrae. No big deal. Well, is that how it is that how it is for for guys like you who do this stuff? Yeah, it's no different than a hockey player, right? They all get injuries all the time too. It's huh? not. It's all part of the sport. Man, so how many uh, surgeries have you had over the years? I think like four or five. <laughs> you have to forget. I'm just that you're so nonchalant about it, and uh, I mean, good for you. The idea, because 
when I was watching just some of the B-roll that they sent us for the Nitro Circus, um, like we just went to Cirque du Soleil on Friday and watched uh, yeah. uh, their style of acrobatics. So then seeing what you guys are doing on the, the BMX bikes and you on the dirt bikes, seeing you suspended in the air, hanging, looking perfectly. I mean, it looks so graceful, but I would imagine when you crash and burn, it's got to be devastatingly painful. Your adrenaline is going so hard that the, when you first crash, it doesn't really hurt until your adrenaline calms down, and then you're like, okay, you got to figure out, okay, did I hurt myself, or what's going on here? Oh, get up for a bit, okay, that seemed pretty good. So we were talking with uh, the, uh, the tour manager here and the idea of uh, what's going to be constructed and what's going to be available to be seen. At giant ramps, all man-made stuff at IGF, out in the outdoors, looks like it's going to be a fantastic, gorgeous evening. What? Are you going to be riding down and uh, give us an idea of, of you know, one of the tricks? Where does it start and where does it end? Uh, well, we'll, the dirt bike guys will have their own ramp. The mega ramp stuff is more for the BMX and skateboarders and stuff, I think. And uh, we have our own 75-foot gap uh, beside that. So then we'll be going, jumping in the middle of the the whole thing and landing and going around and doing our, our own ramp. And I've also seen in the commercials and what have you, there's the the bikes. I saw, like, little scooters. I saw a recliner, guy guy going down the hill on a, on yeah. a recliner. What? How does that, like, how does somebody be inspired to say, I'm going to push a piece of furniture down this ramp and, and see what happens? Seems like uh, Pastrana made his own ideas into his own shows, and that's how it all comes together. Probably he brought stuff that they were doing at his place all into a show for the world to see. Has it always been dirt bike for you, or did you ever try doing any of this stuff with other uh, forms of other vehicles, like a, like a, like a fur- piece of furniture? No, not furniture. I do snowmobile, though. I yeah, flip snowmobiles and stuff, too, so that, but no, uh, no rollerblades or nothing. <laughs> so you mentioned this is your first show, so you're going to be meeting some guys that you have maybe never met before. Yeah, yeah. So are you looking forward to that idea of uh, learning something from other guys that are part of the performance on and the exhibition on Friday night? Very much so. I've always keep my eye on what the other guys are doing, and I'm like, oh, I, I want to try that next or something. And they're the best in the world, so it's you open up a magazine and that's them right there. I get the sense that there's a lot of sharing, open sharing, uh, that it, there's there aren't any secrets amongst performers like yourselves. That no. It'll be very open and uh, a lot of information and advice will be shared. Yeah, it's not a lot like racing where you don't want to tell the next competitor what your lines are or something like that. It's freestyle guys are a lot more friendly and there's no, it's not a competition. It's a show, right? Everyone wants to kill it and do awesome. We want to be pumped for each other. How many family members you got coming on Friday night? Oh, lots. Like everyone from, yeah. Everyone was pretty excited. Population of Latelier is uh, <laughs> how much? <laughs> Going to have everyone at uh, IGF on Friday night. Uh, Josh, the the way that you uh, carry yourself is is very calming. I think if I was one of your parents, I'd be like, yeah, you're very reassured. Uh, this is just par for the course, right? Yeah, it's what we do all the time. It's no different than going to do a normal freestyle show somewhere else. I mean, we have our set distance with our gaps and stuff, so it's what I practice every day. And You practice to have it dialed, and you don't practice something to go crash in front of an audience, right? You're pretty confident in what you're going to do. 
Josh Penner is a Nitro Circus live athlete. Nitro Circus is a show happening this Friday at Investors Group Field at 7 o'clock. He rides the dirt bike. There are other guys on BMXs and scooters and recliners. And I'm pretty sure I saw a flying bathtub in the television commercial. So there's all sorts of neat stuff happening at Investors Group Field. And we'll continue our chat with Josh Penner after your forecast. Up next. 219 on this Tuesday afternoon. We're talking about the Nitro Circus. Travis Pastrana's Nitro Circus live returning to Winnipeg, and it's coming to IGF Friday night. And there is some local flavor in this show that's sure to excite you. And we understand this is for all ages. You don't have to be into motorsports. You don't have to be into racing lazy boys to come to the show. I raced my lazy boy uh, not very far at all, but uh, you may actually, Brett McGarry has been referring to this, the uh, footage of a lazy boy type recliner going down a ramp, making a jump, and then in the middle of the jump, the guy kicks out the footrest and lands perfectly on the other side of the ramp. Uh, that's that's good enough for me to catch my attention. And uh, like I mentioned, Friday night at IGF, you can catch the show. And joining us in studio right now to talk about the show and his experiences, Latelier Manitoba as well, outside Latelier, is uh, Josh Penner. Joins us now. So Josh Penner, Nitro Circus Live athlete, you... You like to do dirt bike stuff in the summer, snowmobile in the winter. Do you enjoy doing normal things? Like, do you get a thrill out of doing anything? Or, like, do you, because your job, or in this case, is so extreme, right? Like, are you capable of just kind of enjoying normal, everyday stuff? And I don't mean that, like, I, I don't mean that to sound negative, but I'm wondering no. if, you know, because you're such an adrenaline hunter, if uh, you take enjoyment out of kind of normal stuff. Well, my job is farming. That's full full-time job. This is fun. And then I have other things too. Like my parents own a cabin in Manaki. I like to go fishing and hang out with me, go camping with my fiance. I'm getting married this summer. And Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I don't know. I'm big into fitness and working out and just, I'm always active, always doing something. How does your fiance feel about this uh, sideline thing that you got going on? And uh, does she get nervous about it at all? All the time. <laughs> she gets nervous when I practice at home and I make her you know, film me and stuff and watch me because I can't do it by myself because if I do wipe out, well, then who's going to drag me off the ground, right? Yeah, no, it's good to have a spotter. Exactly. That's <laughs> important. So the uh, the you, you already talked about the, the list of injuries that you have. So when you get into something like this when someone like yourself decides I want to do this you how hard is it to convince yourself okay I want to do this but I'm going to crash and I'm going to crash lots how do you get over that initial or is that even an initial fear for yourself no I never think I'm gonna crash lots or something like you don't if you practice lots and are confident enough in what you're doing you shouldn't be crashing lots like it yes it happens but not not as often as people think like some people must think in the audience all oh, these guys crash all the time and they're probably hurt 90 percent of the time no it doesn't work like that like you'll get you'll wipe out once twice a year and maybe get hurt or you know it all depends the interesting part uh the story 
that I took that you shared with us at Global News earlier uh, that you can catch online right now, actually, globalnews.ca, and then you go to the Winnipeg section, is the idea that as encouraging as your dad was, you didn't get spoon-fed in terms of buying equipment. You had to cut lawns to, to buy your first motorcycle, motorbike. Yep, yeah. That, that, that's an interesting uh, way of going about it to help you uh, uh, find value and, and to really uh, take ownership of what it was that you were doing. And, and tell us about those first years uh, of racing. Yeah, and I uh, really appreciate them for that because, you know, you you take care of the stuff that you buy, right? If someone buys you something, well, you're just going to not care and be like whatever and expect things given to you i think if you grow up working for stuff it definitely puts things in a different perspective when you're older and uh, the whole racing thing he took me everywhere when i wanted to go when i was younger and all the races and stuff even when he was busy on the farm he took me places and i appreciated that and then there was a point where okay well you're old enough now to do it by yourself see you later i'm going to the cabin i'm doing my thing now so now you Sounds like some lessons learned. That's awesome stuff. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you are not a part of the Nitro Circus Live Tour, that you were invited into the show. So yep. can you maybe tell us a little bit about that process, how that came to happen? Yeah, I, I heard on the radio it was coming to Winnipeg again, and then it was in the investor's field, and I was like, wow, that'd be sweet to ride that. And huge, huge field. The show is going to be full scale. And I was just sitting there thinking, who can I contact to maybe know someone to get my name into there, right? Because you always, it's you. Know, that's the way you get into places. If you know someone to help you get in contact with the right person. And so I had a friend who's been in the sport for years. He's the first person to backflip a quad, John Getter. He rode the Krusty Demons tour. So I contact, I was just, we were just texting one day, and I was like, oh, man, it'd be sweet. He's like, oh, I know someone I'll, I'll contact. I'll hit you back up in 10 minutes. And then uh, a few months went by, I got an email asking for more photos and videos and saying they're interested in having me ride the show. So have you ever performed for a crowd that is that might be as big as the one on Friday at Investors Group Field? No. Well, I did X Games last winter, but I still think this crowd is going to be way bigger than X Games. You did X Games on Snowmobile? Snowmobile, yeah. Okay, well, this is something that just uh, I'm learning just now. Where was that? And talk about that experience. Wow. That was in Aspen, Colorado. Right. I did, uh, last year I did freestyle. This year I did best trick and freestyle. I got fourth in best trick. Yeah. Oh, good for you. You Thank don't you. mess around there, Mr. Penner. Stay busy all year long. How, That's great. How did you get into the X Games? Um, just sent in a video of my riding. And, uh, and then they send out invites to the guys who they think is qualified enough. Do you? Uh, you're 31 years old. Is there uh, a shit like a shelf life for for this kind of uh, athleticism, or is it just as long as your body uh, will is can can do it? As long as you feel good, you can keep doing it. Right? You're only as old as you feel. Cool, man. I spent a lot of time in Alberta. Josh really reminds me of a cowboy. One of these bucking bronco guys, one of these rodeo guys, chuck wagon guys. It's like they're all very even keeled. They've got a, just a very matter of fact, yep, yeah, I'll do this for as long as I can. And there is a little bit of a rodeo and sort of a cowboy attitude, I think, that you have to have when you do what you do. My dad grew up riding, doing rodeo, actually. He was a roper and stuff. So I grew up riding horses, and we had uh, cattle and stuff when I was younger. Then once I was a Done it. Once I saw a dirt bike, I was like, oh, I don't want to ride horses anymore. 
That's a mechanical bull of a different sort. Yeah. Right on, man. Uh, we just got a text here. I'll just very quickly ask. It's uh, somebody says to ask him, ask him why he isn't out spraying. Are you going to get in trouble for uh, not for shirking your farming? <laughs> That's what I was doing all day yesterday, but no, my uncle's trading me off so I could uh, get some uh-huh. stuff done for the upcoming show. Sounds like somebody knows uh, you very well and uh, poking some fun. Most likely. We're, we're <laughs> glad to be the conduit for that. Josh, thanks for this. We appreciate it. Good luck on Friday night. Doesn't sound like you're going to need it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, go to Ticketmaster and you can get your tickets. IGF Friday night. Nitro Circus, sounds like a blast. Travis Pastrana's Nitro Circus Live. Josh Penner is a Nitro Circus Live athlete. He'll be on a dirt bike just blowing your mind with some of the stuff he can do. And, uh, oh, Reed, what's the website? Website is nitrocircus.com or nitrocircus.live. Nitrocircus.com or nitrocircus.live. Global News at 2.30, up next. It's 2.34, 29 degrees outside. It's clouding over a little bit. There is a risk of... Some showers or maybe even the risk of a thunderstorm later on as we make our way throughout the evening. I want to thank one more time Joshua Penner, Penner for coming into the studio at uh, Nitro Circus at IGF on Friday night. Looks like an absolute blast. I don't know if I could handle all those circuses uh, on consecutive uh, Fridays, Brett McGarry. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil this past Friday and then Nitro Circus on Friday night. But uh, it just might be one of those things that I end up having to drag the kids to. Friday night. Well, one of my friends, uh, her kids always go, her kid actually, her son always likes to go to these things. So uh, it sounds like a great time for anybody. I mean, if you enjoyed, we referenced the acrobatics that were on display at Cirque. And it's uh, sort of a graceful event with tons of neat costumes. Whereas I think with Nitro Circus, you might initially think, well, it's bites and fire. And that doesn't sound like something up my alley. But they're essentially doing the same thing. They're defying gravity way up in the air and uh, watching the B-roll, these guys are doing it synchronized. Uh, it's it's quite the production. It's beautiful and adrenaline junkie hunting kind of stuff. Yeah, it looks fun, man. It looks fun. And Josh, if you are listening on your way to your uh, next adventure, your next appointment, Eve says, uh, by the way, way too windy for spraying today. So uh, chill out. It's all good. You're not missing much. It's not much of a spray day today out on the farm. So that refers to a text message that uh, was directed at Josh asking him, shouldn't you be spraying this afternoon instead of playing on the radio? Playing on the radio with us for the next half hour is our friend Griffin Jenkins from Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba, Director of Education and Youth Services. He's brought along with him I hope by the end of our conversation we'll be friends. Amparo, uh, or pardon me, see, I told you I had a friend named Amparo, first name, Rowena Amparo is Youth Programs Coordinator, and I'm sure a lot of people when they say the name Amparo, they they immediately believe it to be a last name. For me, it's a first name, so I apologize, Rowena. I at least got your first name correctly in the pronunciation of that. We're talking about, let's uh, not just talk, let's let it out and uh, some camps coming up this summer. Griffin, why don't we uh, turn the ball over to you and have us uh, informed and educated on this idea of let's not just talk, let's let it out. Yeah. So uh, what that essentially refers to is it kind of talks about our let it out programming that we have going on over the summer. So this summer we have two really cool camps going on. So we have a band camp for teenagers running all summer long where kids can come 
they can either learn an instrument or can play one that they already know, and they form bands, and they learn songs, and they actually get to play a show at the end of each two-week session. And throughout that session, they actually get to learn about mental health and get to be in in support groups and talk to people who've been there. And this year, we're also running a sports camp for younger kids, uh, for kids about 9 to 12, where they're going to get to come in and meet some coaches and uh, hopefully meet some like Winnipeg Bombers and things like that and get to actually play sports and learn about how important it is to have that relation to uh, physical health with mental health and how that all correlates together. So really, we like these programs and we like them to create a fun, safe environment for these kids where they can also talk about how they're doing, realizing it's okay to not be okay all the times and have other people around to talk about it to and just have fun. So is that where the let's not just talk, let's let it out. Uh, you're letting it out through other means of expression? Absolutely. Some people let it out playing music. Some people let it out by uh, playing football. Some people let it out by talking. Whatever people feel the need to do, whether it's arts, whatever it is, we, we're trying to create an avenue where they have a way to express that in, in a safe space. If you go to mooddisordersmanitoba.ca, you can uh, you can find the Let It Out Summer Rock Camp. You may see it uh, referred to as Rocket Out on the website of Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. There are four sessions running throughout the summer, and I guess they're two-week sessions. Yeah. Is that right, Griffin? Yeah, two-week sessions. So, Rowena, how long have you been involved with uh, Rocket Out, and how long have you been working with and dealing with uh, our friend Griffin here? Dealing with him for about a year now. About a year now. Uh, last year was my first time, like, help at the camp, and yeah, I don't know. Just... Rowena, what got you involved at the mood disorders? Why did you uh, decide to join this organization? Uh, well, last year I just graduated from university with a bachelor's of music therapy, and so obviously being like a fresh university graduate, it's just like, what am I doing with my life? And so I was like, I need some summer employment because of the job that I had during the year runs only for the school year. Um, so found it on Kijiji and I was like, hey, I should probably apply for this because it has to do with mental health and that's the kind of where I find like a calling to where my career should go with music therapy. And it was a rock camp. So I was like, hey, music, mental health, what, what can get any better for, than that? And so I actually applied on the like absolute last day I think like right at 11 p.m. before it closed and I was like okay I hope I get this and the next day I think Griffin emailed me he's like hey you free to come in sometime this week and I was like I did not expect it to be that quick so I'm like okay so I came in had an interview and like literally less than an hour later they called and said I'm hired she's been stuck with me since Brett how many people do you figure you've interviewed in the last eight months uh and over the last 10, 14 years, uh, I don't know if I've ever met anyone with a BA in music therapy. It's kind of a new thing, kind of. It's like fairly young here in Canada. It's around like 50, 60 years old as a profession. And it's a lot bigger in the States. However, it's still fairly not as well known here. So what does a music therapist do? Oh, okay. That's maybe too broad. <laughs> I mean, I can spout the like the standard like definition, but it's pretty much a person who uses music and musical elements to kind of help with a person's well-being overall and holistic kind of health. Um, music therapists kind of work in any setting, 
I've worked in schools. I've worked in hospitals. I've worked in day programs. Uh, my youngest client was two. My eldest was 93. So it ranges. It really depends on where you kind of have a niche and what you're felt called to do, kind of populations you want to work with. So... And there's, there's two sides of it, right? There's music as therapy, as a non-participant yeah. in the music. I know at St. Boniface Hospital, they have a music at the bedside program mm-hmm. that helps. You mentioned the word holistic in yeah. terms of uh, helping individuals heal and uh, maybe cope with a long-term stay in hospital. Mm-hmm. There are a variety of uses. But then there's also the music therapy side of being involved and in playing the music mm-hmm. and helping you through a variety of uh, physical and I imagine very, very worthwhile in terms of emotional ailments. Yeah, there's a whole lot. Um, uh, I guess just to name a couple of the populations that I've worked with, I've worked with adults and children with developmental disabilities, um, obviously elderly who have like Alzheimer's and any kinds of like age-related diseases. Uh, I've worked in schools where I've helped where with like kids who like need some more academic help, those who are feeling anxious in schools and we've helped them like find that expressive outlet. Um, we've also had like opportunities to work um, with physiotherapists and worked with people um, in rehab for like brain traumatic brain injuries and stuff like that. And there's a whole wide like range of different approaches and whatnot to music therapy. So you have like more developmental, you have like the neurological music therapy Um, rehabilitation music therapy, expressive music therapy, and it just kind of goes on. It really just depends on the clients and what their needs are. It's all tailored to the clients. It's very client-centered, client-focused, and music has been found to just really be beneficial. We're visiting with the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. First Tuesday of every month, we try to get together with our friends from MDAM. We are joined by Rowena Amparo. She is the Youth Programs Coordinator, and Griffin Jenkins is the Director of Education and Youth Services. And Griffin, you heard Rowena say this is a fairly new thing in Canada. It sounds like it's only been around for a few decades, really, overall. So, like, this is... I, I had the same reaction as Greg. I kind of raised <laughs> an eyebrow, like, a music therapist? That sounds neat. Um, is this exciting to you as as a young person involved in this organization to know that, hey, there are all sorts of new ways that we can help people deal with whatever they're going through uh, in creative ways that no one would have thought of maybe even five years ago? Oh, absolutely. Like, when... When I first saw that resume from Rowena a year ago saying she was a, had a BA in music therapy, I was like, oh, this is a joke. Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> so Thanks. I, Thanks. I, I brought her in, and once she kind of explained it to me, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, And since I've been able to see her use it over the past year and actually understand what it is more so, being having these people who care about music, which is obviously something I care about since I run a band camp, and providing therapy in different avenues is just a great thing to see. Some people aren't really good at talking. Some people just can't have a conversation really easily. So when you have someone who can come in and just play music with them, you get like the little boom whackers and all the percussive things where you just get to express yourself and have a new avenue to explain how you're feeling. When you have these different methods of therapy, it's going to widen the amount of people who can get therapy and who can get support. So I'm all for it. I'm glad that uh, I pulled the trigger and hired her last year because it was 
definitely been a, a benefit. Griffin, I want to ask you, does this lead to and does it open a door for other conversations and other forms of communication when it comes to youth expressing what they're going through and eventually taking the steps required to to get better and to deal with what they're dealing with head on and to to come up with a treatment plan and a and a and a way to handle what they're what they the cards they've been dealt. Absolutely. Like when you're able to incorporate music therapy and the music side of treatment essentially into someone's life they're able to have other options so some people just aren't going to take medication that maybe not this maybe not their thing maybe they're stubborn and they just don't feel safe in the environments they can use music because pretty much everyone has some association with music where they like heavier stuff or lighter stuff and show other people how it feels i always talk about for self-help Music's great, whether it's just like showing people bands you like because it's explaining maybe how you're feeling. It's just another avenue to explain to someone else, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. And maybe it's easier than saying, maybe I have depression. Instead, you're showing someone a song that you really connect with that's maybe not the happiest of songs, and you can kind of identify it that way. So absolutely, it's it's going to be opening up even more um, conversations, and we're using it more and more as an organization now that we understand kind of what Rowena can do, and we're hoping to incorporate that more and more into our programming. Griffin Jenkins is the Director of Education and Youth Services at Mood Disorders and Association of Manitoba, and Rowena Amparo is the Youth Programs Coordinator for MDAM, and we're going to continue our chat about let's not, let's not just talk, let's let it out, and the camps that they have this summer after your forecast. Up next. 2.51 on this Tuesday afternoon. We're we're talking about one of the great programs in this community. How long has this been going on, Griffin, the Rocket Out Camp? Uh, the band camps, this will be our seventh year. And uh, started by a couple of young guys who said, you know what? We need to we need to help make a difference in the community. Absolutely. It was started by a, a good friend of mine, the guy who used to work my job, Taylor Dmitrioff, and I was actually a camper of the very first year of the camp. So it's it's really neat that I, A, I'm friends with him, and B, that I now run the camp that I went to as a 14-year-old who was dealing with some issues. That is the voice of Griffin Jenkins. He's Director of Education Serv- uh, Youth Services at the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. And our new friend, Rowena Amparo, is here, Youth Programs Coordinator at MDAM. Let's not just talk. Let's let it out. Rowena, why should we let it out? Why not? Like, What if, if, you're, if you are, let me rephrase the question, then. <laughs> what if we can't let it out? Like what if there's something, there's some sort of obstacle, uh, for whatever reason, we just have a hard time letting it out, whether we're talking, playing music, doing uh, sports, whatever it is. It's a really, like, I guess if you, for my own personal experience, if I don't let out, like, emotions or whatever, it's just, it just eats you up inside and you kind of get lost in that if it's all you're like you're holding it in but it won't, it's kind of like a fizzy drink you have all those like bubbles and you like shake it up you can't really go anywhere and then the moment any like slight like twist of the cap anything you drop it maybe the pressure's so high that it just explodes or if you just twist the cap it explodes that way it's just not good overall for yourself for those around you and it's just better to let it out. Griffin, uh, music can be a big part of our lives. 
It is, you know, we talk about the soundtrack to our lives, but it can also be an indicator, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, it would be my perception that it could be a real clue as to whether or not people in our lives are are dealing with something a little darker, uh, an emotional space that maybe they would prefer not to be in, or you definitely wouldn't want them to be in as an outsider. Can, can this work as a as a hint, as a, a clue as to what's going on in uh, young people in our lives uh, world? Yeah, I think uh, definitely to a point. Like some people just like darker music. Mm-hmm. That's that could just be their preference. But I know. Um, it's, this actually just came up very recently because I opened up a laptop that I had when I was like 13, when I was in my so-called emo stage and I found your so-called emo stage, like kind of gothic, very similar to that. The bangs. Uh, with the bangs, the whole dark, everything black, that kind of phase. And I went on my iTunes at the time and just really dark, depressing music, really just angry kind of music. And... A, I have no, like, I don't find that good anymore at all. But you look at it and you can say, okay, well, I really connected to this kind of music because of the message that it was trying to send, and I connected with it. Whereas it's that's different than if someone just likes metal music just because they sure. do. But if it's something that's really dark, and I knew there's lots of songs that I would listen to where people would talk about killing themselves, and at the time I just had this connection to it because I associated with that feeling at the time that... If you look at kids and you look at the music they're listening to, that might make sense based on what kind of is playing for them. We have a couple of minutes left. I want to make sure that we give out the information on how to get involved in these camps. So the first one, Rock It Out. It's a camp for kids age 12 to 17. The session dates, the first one's July 3rd. So how do people get involved in that or if they want their kids to get involved? So they can give us a call at 204-786-0987 or you can go to our website. Like you said, there's a registration form on there that you can just fill that out and send it in to us. And uh, same thing with the Work It Out Sports Camp. And is the work it out information on the the website as well? Should be, yeah. Okay, I'm having. A, I'll just have to it's, poke around. That here one's from uh, July 10th to 14th. And it's the same. The, mood, the website once again is mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. Rowena, what if you know somebody who probably needs help, but maybe they don't know it yet? What can you do to help support them? Honestly, be there for them. Be like. If, you, if there's someone close, even if they're not close, and if you notice something, it's always better to speak out about it. Approach them like, hey, what's up? If you know that they just d- don't look like they want to talk about it, just that presence there and like, just, hey, let's go out. Let's have some coffee. Let's go, want to go watch a movie, whatever. Just reaching out in some way, making that contact, no matter how small. People think like, oh, if I see a problem, you have to like, What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, no. Sometimes they just need someone to, and they just need to be felt, to to feel heard, to feel important, to feel seen. Powerful message. Powerful message all the way around. Rowena Griffin, thanks for taking some time, and uh, thanks very much for what you do. It's uh, critical, and it's uh, so appreciated uh, by Brett and I. I'll speak for Brett on that one, and and lots listening right now. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Griffin Jenkins is the Director of Education and Youth Services, and Rowena Amparo is the Youth Programs Coordinator for the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. And again, more information on both of those camps, rock it out, work it out, at mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, I don't know how it is for you, but 
I want to know if you ever fall down a rabbit hole on the internet. Because I do this all the time. <laughs> if I'm on YouTube, I'll watch this video. Yes. Ooh, then what's this video? And then I'll watch that video and so on. Same thing if I'm browsing the web. I'll click here, click there. Instagram, I have to get lost looking at this and that. And then on Facebook. And that's actually how I found our next guest. Clicked on a profile because I thought, hey, is that, that looks like a familiar face. Turns out it wasn't a familiar face. But while I was there, I saw the cover photo and I thought... That sounds like a colorful story. And then looking at the profile picture, figuratively and literally it was a colorful story because she had pink hair at the time. And as for the cover photo, it said, chick with a brush. So now that uh, I host a talk show with Greg Mackling, naturally almost everything I think of is, is that something I can do on my show? Can we do a segment on that? So we invited her in and she came in. Stacy Bugsdrucker is the chick with a brush. Thanks for coming in today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So what is Chick with a Brush? That was, I I had to know. That's why I reached out to you. So tell us about Chick with a Brush. Chick with a Brush is a interior, exterior renovations company. We do everything from demolition, um, painting, drywalling, mudding, taping, caulking, you name it. We work with a sister company, Daryl Schreiner Construction, who builds my cabinets, kitchens, living rooms basements, anything I need, and we just have fun and go to work. Okay, so is chick with a brush more accurately chicks plural with a brush and yep. other tools that you know how to work very well? Yes, it is. There's three of us ladies. Um, that's my core group. If we need other people, then we piecework things out. But uh, us three ladies are pretty good at handling almost anything. Well, I- I'm guessing that you're very well accepted out in the contractor world and that you, you know, you're accepted by all your perspectives Perspective clients as uh, equal to a man, yes? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Not so much? Not so much. Uh, Chick with a Brush has a lot of, there's a lot of stigma still to being a woman in construction. Um, apparently, I look a little bit like a Barbie doll, so people either hire us at first to see what can Barbie do, and then they find out we do really amazing work, and they stick with us. Um, people that have worked with me before have no problem hiring us because they know that I believe in quality, and that's all that matters to me. So, wondering if you ever get criticized for using the word chick by other women. Yes, but it is what it is, and I am who I am, and laugh at it if you want, be mad at it if you want. It's what it is. Where did the name come from? And I know that's a canned question. Oh, tell us about the name, chick with the brush. But seriously, what inspired... Uh, that particular choice of words with chick with a brush. A bunch of girlfriends sitting together on a patio having some wine. <laughs> oh, that's all. That's where all the great inventions and business names come from. There's a little alcoholic influence and uh, just sitting around having a chat. Yes. So I like that. You told me a story before uh, Brett came back into the studio about uh, a woman that hired you and you submitted a bid that was equal to somebody else's, and maybe you could share that story and and the reaction and the question that you got. Uh, yes. we um, An elderly woman asked us to come do a bid, and we did a bid, and we did the same bid as a male crew. And she looked at me and she said, well, you're a woman crew. I thought you'd be cheaper. And I said, no, I'm sorry. We do the same work, if maybe not better. And this is my quote, take it or leave it. So she actually took it and uh, 
five years later, I'm still painting her properties. That's outstanding. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I was playing off of Brett's question about are women offended, you know, some women offended by the name of your company. Well, there are clearly women out there who don't respect you for the work that you're capable of doing and you're breaking down and battling that barrier every single day. Yes. Why do you think there was an expectation that your work would be cheaper because you're a woman? Because they feel that, honestly, I don't know. You know, a lot of it would be physical, but myself and my girls are in shape. We always work out. We can handle the 60-gallon paint cans as it fibers like anybody else. Um, we're up and down the ladders like everybody else. I carry drywall by myself if I have to. So it's just the whole female thing. You know, women are supposed to be the weaker sex. So that's the customer perspective and the the potential, you know, client perspective. But what about others in your in your chosen profession? Huh. Are you accepted there? Sometimes. If they've worked with us and seen our work, they totally use us again. But when you first go and approach a male contractor, I get that, hmm, we'll hire her as a joke and see what Barbie can do. And then once Barbie pulls off the job and does it better, and in time, if not sooner than the male would, with no headache nor drama, they're like, oh, we're going to use you again. How did you get into this, into this line of work? Mm, I just kind of fell into it. I always watched my grandfather growing up, and I had a passion for renovations, building furniture, staining and whatnot and I worked the bar industry for many many years did the modeling thing and it just wasn't for me and I kind of fell into it and 14 years now I love doing it going to carry on our conversation with the chick with a brush her name is Stacy Bugs Drucker or that's the Canadian way. Can I? I'm going to roll the dice and do this on the air and see. You if are. I, yeah, I'm yeah gonna, you're so. She said. She said it once. Brave. Is it? Is it Bugsdrucker? Bugsdrucker. Ah, I, I screwed it up. You were close. I, yeah. You go a short U. Yeah, it, I got. I didn't. On anyway, the that's why year. I said I took, I, I'm going to roll the dice, and I I lost on that one. Maybe next time. Well. Uh, traffic and weather together though is coming up next. Finally, your Facebook trolling pays off, McGarry. <laughs> Yeah, I found a, I, I'm a, I'm a creep, really. It's, I guess that's what you boils down to. I was to. avoiding the word creeping. I, I use the word trolling in more of a broader sense. Yeah. So uh, Stacey uh, Bugs Drucker joins us now, and uh, she's a chick with a brush. She's the, the head chick. They've got more than brushes. You do all sorts of work. I'm looking at your fabulous... Uh, handout here. Accessories include interior, exterior painting, caulking, drywalling, staining, varnishing, patching repairs, a post-renovation cleanup. Well, that's a godsend for anybody that uh, works in the uh, contracting world. Somebody that can clean up after themselves. It's so uncommon on the workplace, Stacy. Is that one of I bet you that's something you learned from your grandpa. Clean as you go. Yes, definitely. We had a caller wanted to know some of the interesting projects you may have worked on along along the way. Well, in the 14 years of being in construction, I was blessed to be able to work at the airport for a couple of weeks, the Human Rights Museum for a couple of weeks, IKEA. Um, I loved working the Richardson Building. I do a lot of woodworking, so that's a huge passion of mine. Um, many downtown offices. What did you do at the Human Rights Museum? Just painted some walls. And what um, is there... Not not one single project, but how's this? Have you ever had anything go wrong? <laughs> yes. 
when I first started out, I worked for a company. We st- I started in Manitoba housing, um, and we were told to go clean up and get rid of the garbage, paint the walls, whatever. Well, we accidentally threw out a sink piece. So my partner Angie and I had to go dumpster diving and look for that one little itty-bitty piece that nobody can find. Really? Yeah. Did you find it? Yeah, we did. How long did it take? <laughs> Not long. Thank God the garbage was empty. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> a piece of a sink? It was just a little, you know, what the end part, but they were old sinks and they weren't replacing them. So, so we need- part, you couldn't just run to Rona and replace that part was not happening, right? Nope. And I'm not a plumber. I'm a painter, so I didn't know that we weren't supposed to throw it out. Yeah, I've been down that road before, trying to replace something that's essentially irreplaceable. Uh, Stacy, how can people get in touch with you, and how can people track you down if they want to have you quote on a job? Uh, my number is 204-290-3471 or chickwithabrush at gmail.com. And you also have the Facebook page, facebook.com slash chick with a brush. And one of the reasons why I brought you in here is, is I, I suspected, and, I, and I'm sad that my suspicions were correct, is that you there are challenges that come with being a woman in this particular line of work. Do you think that there will come a time where people, be it clients or colleagues, look at you not as the Barbie girl playing construction? Probably not, but it kind of makes life a little bit interesting when you surprise them. Does it also sort of fuel the fire? Very much so. Yes. Are you competitive? Very. (laughs) Did you just meet her? (laughs) And I know you did, but you can see, right? There's fire in those eyes. But let's, let's, you know, all the negative stuff aside, there has to be some benefit to walking with the assets that you do in terms of uh, attracting, attracting jobs. It's the look of surprise when the job is finished and they just that, oh, wow, you can actually pull this off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so what do you think that people maybe sometimes hire you because, oh, she kind of looks like a Barbie girl and I don't, well, maybe she'll do a good job. I don't know. And then so it's so they the, the fact that the job is done well is a benefit that they weren't expecting. I've actually had five or six contractors tell me that they hired me as a bet with fellow contractors to see if we can get it done. Do you know uh, what the bets were? How much was on the line? No, I never asked that. I just laughed at them, grabbed my tool belt and continued on my way. Okay. Well, hey, listen, if uh, you want to get in touch with Chick with a Brush, once again, the number 204-290-3471. Email address is chickwithabrush at gmail.com. Her name is Stacy Bugs Drucker, painter, decorator, renovations coordinator, and also uh, demolition expert. That's what you're doing tomorrow? That's what I get to do tomorrow. What Woo-hoo! does a demolition involve? Because that sounds fun. I like to, you know, they... Um, they, my friends say Brett smash when I get angry, so that sounds like something I would enjoy. Oh, it's so much fun. Get to put on your steel toes, some safety glasses, get your hammer. Like a sledgehammer? Sledgehammer and just hit away. Make sure that you're not hitting anything that, you know, like around plugs or whatnot, but just hit away. Tear right. it down. Well, Stacey, thanks for coming in to tell us a little bit about of your story. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys, for having me. Traffic and... No, we're not doing traffic next, but we're doing weather next in two minutes. 3.38. Earlier in the program, we were telling you about the Nitro Circus happening at uh, IGF Field this Friday night. 
Got a text message here from David who said, hey, guys, just want to let you know that Extreme Motocross is going to be performing at the Niverville Fair this weekend if you can't get enough of flying motorcycles. David, thanks for pointing that out. We appreciate that. And now, hopefully, we have something that you might appreciate because we have stuff to give away and it involves Wonder Woman. Diana of Themyscira, daughter of Hippolyta. In the name of all that is good, your wrath upon this world is over. Great movie, tons of fun, and we want you to see the movie and see just how much fun it is. We have run of engagement passes for the film for Cineplex Theatres. They're valid Monday to Thursday, excluding holidays. Today's question... This is going to test your Wonder Woman knowledge. A few years back, so I think in around 2011-ish, there was going to be a Wonder Woman television show. A pilot was shot and produced, but it failed to get picked up. Who played Wonder Woman in that pilot? Mm. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. Once again, who played Wonder Woman in the failed pilot for a TV show that was pitched uh, a few years ago, around 2011 or so. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. And while not, Jeff Forte is waiting for that... Not, that? Lin, not Linda Carter. No, that's a, a... That, I mean, technically is a few years ago, but that was a successful television that's show. That's correct. So This don't... is a failed TV show in the early 2010s. Okay. Yep. D- do you know why it failed or... Uh, because Wonder Woman apparently was not very... She was kind of a cranky pants. Cranky pants? She was a cranky pants. That's not the way she's uh, portrayed in this movie, is it? No, no. She's uh, refreshing in the film. She's just great. I love this. Uh, the, more, the more I think about Wonder Woman, the movie, I think I need to get back to the theater post-haste and see it again. Partly because I was in the third row right on the side, so I was kind of looking up to my left the whole time. Couldn't really see the screen. They need to eliminate those seats altogether. Uh, This got us talking and thinking. Wanted to share this article from NPR. It's been sitting on my desk, I think, for three days now. June 1st, it's dated. Laurel Walmsley in the headline reads, Austin Mayor responds to man angry about Wonder Woman screening. And Southern sensibilities and the way Southerners... Uh, Texans and Carolinians, North and South Georgians and and all those folks in the South, the way they can handle situations sometimes is unparalleled. And the mayor of Austin did a crazy great job shooting down this moron who sent him a letter. Let's start this here. As the two-way reported earlier this week, some men are quite perturbed about a woman or women-only screening of Wonder Woman at an Alamo Drafthouse movie theater in Austin, Texas. Yes, by the way, in a lot of theaters down in the States, you can have a beer. And I guess you can do that at least one place here in Winnipeg. I digress. The theater responded with some finely crafted posts on Facebook and Twitter. And by scheduling women-only screenings in Brooklyn and Northern Virginia as well. One man was so angry about the screening that he wrote a letter to Austin Mayor Steve Adler, in addition to writing some eyebrow-raising ideas about women and bringing up a 1966 mass shooting. The man threatened to not grace Austin with his presence. This is the email that Adler received on May 26th, so Austin Mayor Steve Adler. 
I hope every man will boycott Austin and do what he can to diminish Austin and to cause damage to the city's image. The theater that pandered to the sexism typical of women will, I hope, regret its decision. The notion of a woman hero is a fine example of women's eagerness to accept the appearance of achievement without actual achievement. Women learn from an early age to value makeup, that it's okay to pretend that you are greater than you actually are. Women pretend they do not know that only men serve in combat because they are content to have an easier ride. Women gladly accept gold medals at the Olympics for coming in 10th and competing only against the second class of athletes. Name something invented by a woman. Achievements by the second-rate gender pale in comparison to virtually everything great in human history was accomplished by men, not women. If Austin does not host a men-only counter-event, I will never visit Austin and will welcome its deterioration. (laughs) And I will not forget that Austin is best known for Charles Whitman. Does Austin stand for gender equality or for kissing up to women? Don't bother to respond. I already know the answer. I do not hate women. I hate their rampant hypocrisy and the hypocrisy of the women's movement. Women do not want gender equality. They want more for women. Don't bother to respond because I am sure your cowardice will generate nothing worth reading. Signed, Richard A. Amaduri. Wow, that's my first time actually reading this email from this clown. You did it very well. I would have thought that you had it memorized by the way that you retorted that. Well done, Brett. Here's the mayor's response. Dear Mr. Amaduri. Southern sensibilities here, the underlying uh, sense here. I'm writing to alert you that your email account has been hacked by an unfortunate and unusually hostile individual. Please remedy your account security right away, lest this person's uninformed and sexist rantings give you a bad name. After all, we men have to look out for each other. (laughs) Can you imagine if someone thought that you didn't know women could serve in our combat units now without exclusion? What if someone thought you didn't know that women invented medical syringes, life rafts, fire escapes, central and solar heating, a wartime communication system for radio controlling torpedoes that laid the technological foundations for everything from Wi-Fi to GPS and beer? And I hesitate to imagine how embarrassed you'd be if someone thought you were upset that a private business was realizing a business opportunity by reserving one screening this weekend for women to see a superhero movie. You and I are serious men of substance with little time for the delicate sensitivities displayed by the pitiful creature who maligned your good name and sterling character by writing that abysmal email. I trust the news that your email account has been hacked does not cause you to undo alarm and wish you well in securing your account. And in the future, should your travels take you to Austin, please know that everyone is welcome here, even people like those who wrote that email, whose views are an embarrassment to modernity, decency, and common sense. Yours sincerely, Steve Adler. Brilliant. Wasn't that awesome? Just brilliant. I can't... The hatred that that comes from people sometimes is so unbelievable. When we're talking about the fact that they held one screening for women only, so what? One screening. Give me a break. Jennifer Smith, by the way, congratulations to you. 
Jennifer has won the passes today, the run of engagement passes for Wonder Woman. The question was, a few years back, there was going to be a Wonder Woman television show. A pilot was shot, but it failed to get picked up. Who played Wonder Woman in that pilot? And the answer is Adrian Palicki, who is likely best known for co-starring in the NBC drama Friday Night Lights. She was in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was in the first John Wick movie. She's been in lots of stuff, including the failed Wonder Woman TV show. What was the Friday Night Lights motto? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. There you go. 346 on 680 CJOB. Traffic and weather together next. Usually we hear the pitter-patter of little feet. Yeah. Julie Buckingham come running down the hallway. She must be uh, knee-deep in some story. Well, they, you know, the news is a busy show. It's on from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB, and they try to cram as much information as they can into that three-hour segment. So Richard Cloutier is away today. Keith McCullough is filling in for Richard Cloutier. So Julie Buckingham, or as we like to say on, the, on Mackling and McGarry, Julie Buckingham. Only you can uh, pull that off, by the way. And Keith McCullough will be on from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. In the meantime, we want to congratulate once again, where'd that name go? Jennifer Smith on the Wonder Woman passes, and we do have more If you were going to make up a name, that's the name you would have made up. Jennifer Smith? Yes. (laughs) Ah, dang, I can't remember. Jennifer Smith. There's a character in the movie whose name is Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Someone was having a really bad imagination day. Apparently, and I guess he's an, a character who dates back well into the comics, but I thought, Steve Trevor? That's weak. Weak. Julie. Jennifer Smith is not weak. Congratulations. What was the answer to your question, by a- the way? Adrian Palicki was the name of the actress. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Well, you, would, uh, yeah, you wouldn't. Where really. would I All recognize those... her from? Did you ever see the television show Friday Night Lights? The football oh, yeah, show? you mentioned that. No, I didn't watch Friday Night Lights. Oh, well, there you go. It's then on you, Friday you... nights. I'm busy. <laughs> It was on Tuesdays, actually. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Speaking of My Texas, gal Friday. Hi, Julie. Hi, guys. Thanks for gracing us with your presence. Sorry, I was just on the phone. Late we breaking were defending news. you, believe it or not. When you are not here, we speak very highly of you. It's once you walk in the door I'll that roll the, the tone, tape back just the tone to be sure. changes substantially. <laughs> what have you got happening? I know your revolving door of co-hosts yes, continues. I'm Keith working McCullough through today. all of the men of CJOB <laughs> as uh, we we continue uh, for one day. Your words, not ours, yes, Julie Buckingham. Uh, one day appearance by Keith McCullough this afternoon. Lots on the labor front. So we do have cuts at the WRHA, cuts at city police. Uh, so we'll detail some of cuts the at city police. 15 positions, hmm. mostly through attrition, but we'll ha- hmm. explain the impact of that. In the meantime, some labor peace between the city and the police. But Maybe not with the rest of city workers. So we're we're trying to sort out all of this labor stuff. Well, for a big you. vote coming up on Thursday, that's right? right. That's right. That's right. So we're we are endeavoring to get Gord Delbridge to join us this afternoon as well. Uh, so we'll have on Barbara Bowes of Legacy Bowes and just find out what happens when you remove that many people, particularly with the WRHA from one organization. Sort of in one fell swoop. We'll find out uh, the impact on that situation. Also, uh, Sheldon Rogers will join us. He will be following the vigil of Christine Wood for us this afternoon. We'll get a little bit more on the light side of things and talk Red River X and find out what they have in store for us. Of course, uh, when does the X start? The fair is coming to town sooner than you think. Really? Yes. Like the 17th or something? Very soon. Not even, I don't think. Well, I'll have to look it up yes. here now as you talk, as yes. you speak. 
And Ho- hopefully, uh, it's not until after June 17th when I'm done my vacation because the Red River X always brings rain with it. So, hopefully, that <laughs> tradition, if it does well, bring hopefully not. Hopefully, want to be hopefully known not. for that. June 16th. That was yes. off by a day. Well, they're so, like the teddy bear's picnic. That's, that's true. Tr- mm, fair enough. So we'll get some excitement where, as far as that goes, uh, Christian O'Mell will pop by and talk about the soccer friendly. And uh, I know you guys were talking a little bit about inheritances earlier, a CMHC story on how much young people or people that are first time home buyers are relying on the bank of mom and dad to get that first down payment and Simon and Garfunkel story tickets to give away in only the way I know how. Which way is that? Some creative oh, way. Oh, I was going to say oh. creatively, but I thought you were going to mm-hmm. a little bit more well, specific I will give. That. I will drop this hint. I will say Simon and Garfunkel are a fav, uh, famous duo. So we'll have some clips of other famous duos that you will have to identify. Thank you, Julie. Before- just like you guys, Mackling and McGarry, a yeah. famous duo. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be your question and your answer. An infamous duo. Yeah, no, we're not infamous yet. We're working on that part of it. I promise you well, that. Well, on your way. Thank okay, you, Julie. Thanks, thanks, Julie. Hey, uh, you mentioned the fact that we were talking about inheritance and all that. The uh, calculator inflation character, $19,900 oh, yeah, yeah. in $1978. That's how much my parents' first house cost. That would be $72,484.92 in 2017. You can't buy a 25-foot lot in St. James for $72,484.92. Just saying. Stalled car on westbound Higgins at Princess Street in the curb lane. Once again, stalled car on westbound Higgins at Princess Street in the curb lane. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling, Jeff Forte, and Master Control. The news is up next.